The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So this morning I talked to a man who <clears throat> said he was on the local commute train and um, because he, maybe because he has a shaved head, some person sitting next to him asked him if he was a, a skinhead. And my friend said, no, uh, I think it's the opposite. And the man said, oh, so you're a hairy head. And um, so they continued talking. And But all through this beginning of this conversation, my friend had um, said he, he, uh, he didn't take any offense, any concern. He just turned towards the man in a very open and receptive way and kind of engaged him and talked with him. And, and it came out fairly soon that uh, he was a, a convict recently released from prison. And, um, and they explored and talked about his life and, and uh, what was going on. And, <clears throat> and my friend was just op- very open and present. And, and uh, at some point, um, the man, the convict, um, started uh, tearing. His eyes started to cry. Uh, but he was happy. And then um, he had to get off the train first. So they said, you know, goodbye and be happy to each other. And uh, it really touched my friend a lot. And he attributed it to the practice he'd been doing, the mindfulness practice, that in this situation, he was able to just uh, not take offense, not react, not close down in what could have been an offensive statement. And now uh, just stayed open and curious and receptive and present for this man. And then it unfolded from there. Something interesting happened from there. So this idea in our practice, yes? Maybe you should announce that the hearing assistant devices work now. Oh, the hearing system devices work now. Those of you who might need them. The hearing system devices work now. They're, they're working. And um, so um, the um, anyway, so this idea of the practice being uh, can involve not just being aware of what's happening but how we're aware of what's happening, a certain kind of open receptivity, undefendedness, unreactivity, not trying to manipulate or fix or get in there, but kind of opening, allowing, opening up and letting things come and fill you and be present. Um, And see what unfolds and happens is can be an important avenue for a certain kind of, uh, not just pleasure, but also joy in this practice as we do this. And uh, certainly one of the important forms of uh, uh, joy of practice is what I mentioned earlier is the joy of being engaged uh, so, you know the clearest example of this is uh, play I think generally the idea with play you're supposed to enjoy it if it's not play it's not enjoyable it's not play um, and for meditation practice or you know to be a kind of engagement and involvement with it where you find it enjoyable and you're involved you're engaged the, the joy of engagement the joy of giving yourself over to it 
and not struggling with it or you know doing it because you should or uh, not thinking of it as work but rather thinking it closer to play than work to do meditation and that we kind of the joy of just giving ourselves fully to it so with that as an introduction I'd like us to do a little meditation guided meditation so if you could uh, take a meditation posture Gently close your eyes. And then uh, pay attention to your posture a little bit and see if there's something you can add to your posture that isn't at work. It's not like a strain, but that you're more engaged in your posture. Whether you have a posture which kind of expresses being really here and involved and engaged in what you're about to do. For some people that means having the spine be a little bit straighter or the chest a little bit more open. Is there some way that you, you can, through your posture, feel like you're happily engaged and being present, being grounded, being centered here? Some people find that it's helpful to take some long, slow, deep breaths. Again, to be here, to remind yourself to engage, be present. And then letting your breathing return to normal. And scanning through your body to see, are there any muscles or holding in your body that you can relax so that your body feels more open, more receptive? Maybe you can relax and soften the muscles of your face. Almost as if the muscles spread out more widely. Softening around the shoulders and the shoulder blades. Sometimes it can be helpful to see if you can open up in the chest. Sense of openness, receptivity in the area of the heart. Maybe as you inhale and exhale, an opening movement in the center of your chest. (laughs) 
the softening in your belly. And just as my friend opened his attention, receptive, open, attention to the man on the train, What would you have to notice about your experience right now? Where it would be helpful to be more open and receptive to yourself. Ah, this is what's happening. I can open to this. I'll receive this aspect. Maybe that part of you that is hard to be present, to open to that. Hold that in awareness, hold that in your heart. and tuning into your breathing by being open to the experience of breathing, receptive, quiet, soft, relaxed, open receptivity to the experience of the body breathing. Or perhaps Directed, firm attention to breathing. Whichever way of being with the breathing that you find most satisfying, whether it's to be open to the experience and relaxed, or whether it's planting your attention in the breathing and just being committed to staying there, see if you can experiment to see how you can meditate on your breathing in a way that feels enjoyable for you, feels satisfying. In your ideal way of staying with your breath, how would you be so that it's enjoyable?
How can you stay more continuously with the experience of breathing in a way that's enjoyable? Maybe you don't want to use the word play, but it's not so much work, but a delight to be engaged, to be connected, to come back to, to be involved in just attention to breathing. What do you have to put aside so that you can have a simple enjoyment in breathing? A simple enjoyment in the effort to be with your breathing. What do you put it what do you have to put aside or let go of?
Can you find any joy in the play of meditation, the engagement with it? It could be the joy of just being simple here, not having to do other things. It could be the joy of intimacy and being close. It could be the joy from feeling pleasure in the experience. It could be the joy of doing something, just a doing. It could be the joy of doing something which in Buddhism is called noble. I think it's really worthwhile and very valuable to be involved in a path of mindfulness and meditation. have a lot of thoughts which interfere with what's going on, see if you can put aside your thoughts, step away from them, so you can better feel the quiet and stillness within, so you can feel and sense in a quiet way the experience of breathing. And then in the last five minutes of the sitting, you might try 
turning up, slightly turning up the corners of your mouth to make a little half smile. See how that little half smile affects you as you stay present, engaged with your breathing, opening to the experience of here. And to end this sitting, taking some long, slow, deep breaths. And before you open your eyes, 
You see if you can, when you're time to open your eyes, see if you can open them so there's a spirit of attitude of receptivity to what is. You don't go quickly go into a doing mode or a thinking mode, but stay receptive and open as you open your eyes. See what, see what comes. So the joy of engagement, of doing. Some people, it seems to be their genetic disposition to enjoy doing things, have energy and engagement. Other people, maybe their genetic disposition is to rather not do anything. And then there's a, most people who fit somehow between those two extremes. Some things we're happy to do and some things we're resistant to do. And is it possible to shift on that spectrum, shift more towards enjoying doing things? Are there more things that you can enjoy doing? Uh, and so that involves looking a little bit at how we're involved, what, how we do, what's our attitude towards effort, what's our attitude towards activities that we do, whether it's meditation or cleaning dishes or, you know, talking to people on the train or, or uh, you know, whatever we do, going to work. What attitude do we have? Is there an attitude that gets in the way of just being engaged in a nice and enjoyable way? Or is there some way of shifting how you work, how you, what you do, so that there's more joy in what you do, enjoyment. Oh yeah, I'm here, I'm just, I might as well give myself over to it fully. Um, yeah, focus more and be really in the experience more wholeheartedly. It's one of the uh, great gifts that I received from Zen training. In Zen training, there was a lot of emphasis on being really completely involved in what you do. Just give yourself completely. And, and, uh, and it was very explicit that uh, if you could do something with two hands instead of one hand, uh, use both hands. Because, you know, then you, if you're one hand, you're kind of involved, right? But two hands, you're really committed. You're there. So, so just giving yourself to your experience, what you're doing. So the joy of doing. So in, in that sitting, <coughs> where any, what uh, happened to some of you in this, in that sitting, in this exploration of doing, how you practice, how you focus, staying with the breath, experimenting with how to be with the breath so it can be more enjoyable, how you are with it. Did anything come up for you that you'd like to share? It'd be nice to get a range because it's nice to hear maybe the full range. People found it difficult, people found it useful, and we get a sense of what's different possibilities. Anybody like to share? If you can wait for the mic, that would be nice. I'm a beginner and and playing with different things and um, what I played with during that meditation was instead of breathing in or out um, I was riding a wave of my breath Mm. 
and that was really fun mm. um, because there was no distinction between the beginning and the end. It was more of a continuous experience. Mm. And, of course, it's fun to be in the water mm. riding a wave. So that felt really playful. And then I noticed that my wave was out in front of me. And so I pulled it inside. And that was fun because then I felt like I became both the wave and the rider. Mm, nice, nice, very nice. Sometimes when I meditated with our breathing, I, I have a very distinct feeling that I've caught the wave. You know, kind of, if you've ever been body surfing or surfing, you can catch the wave and it carries you along. And it's a wonderful feeling. But that's wonderful what you said. Thank you. And also, maybe say your name when you start speaking. I'm Melanie. Is this working? I, I realized that in order to experience joy, I had to face the guilt that I was feeling for taking the morning off from work to come here. Uh-huh. And so once I realized the guilt didn't define me necessarily as a bad person, then I was able to open up and experience the joy of coming. Mm, so. Nice. So, but you had to, to get the instructions to look at what gets in the way, what's in the way. Absolutely. Yeah, always, always. Always. Because that's interesting. So uh, if I hadn't said that, if I just, you know, look and see what gets in the way, um, uh, that guilt would have been there, but it would have been outside of awareness? or it would, uh, The awareness is there, but you encouraged us to, to enjoy, to experience pleasure. Uh-huh. And to experience pleasure, one cannot hold both guilt and pleasure simultaneously, <laughs> or at least I can't. So um, you gave me permission to feel pleasure. So thank you. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm Flavio. Um, when you said that, you know, how, how can we find a way in order to, to enjoy, uh, what for me came up was the idea kind of, of, of a scientist. It was kind of like exploring, oh, kind of the attitude of, oh, what is the meditation going to be today, right now? And mm. kind of just, it's, it's different every time. It's never exactly the mm. same, right? So just trying to really, uh, for me, it works really well to be scientific. and comes, oh, here's what's going on here and here. And then that's a, that's the, the emotion of curiousness comes up. And that's ah, a very positive, so Scientific explorer or discoverer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's enjoyable for you. Yes. Great. And, and as it's more enjoyable, it's easier to be present for it. Great. Thank you. Maybe we can hear from someone who uh, do- doesn't enjoy doing and doesn't enjoy activity. <laughs> I'm Kate, and um, although I've had the experience of joy in the past, in fact, earlier this week, today I came in caught up in some fear, anger, and worry. And once the I was able to let go of that, um, the content of the narrative around that, um, often by simply trying to listen to you, um, then what happened is I fell asleep. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes... Uh there's all these emotions that keep us energized. <clears throat> and if those emotions aren't, you know, that caffeine is not keeping us going and stops, then uh, falling asleep is uh, the next step that happens. And neither were terribly pleasurable, but I'm feeling a little more awake now. <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes it's a process. And you have to go through those, those steps in the process. You have to first feel the energetic emotions. Maybe they abate. Then you have to spend time falling asleep. 
that abates and then you wake up in a clearer way. And you have to kind of a, a, kind of wa- uh, ride along in that unfolding. <clears throat> okay. Um, so uh, one of the so uh, there are compo- component parts to experiencing joy and happiness, and uh, one component part was what we did at the beginning, which is pleasure. Uh, and pleasure can be a, a wonderful adjunct and support for practice and for life itself. Uh, as, you, as I said, you know, many of us know the pursuit of pleasure for its own sake, like you know, drinking more pleasant alcohol, you know, all kinds of ple- just in and of itself can be problematic and create a lot of harm and a lot of problems in the long term. But ple- but still, pleasure is an important part. And what's nice about meditative pleasure is that. Uh, it tends not to be something that um, um, it tends to not be caused by getting things in the world more possessions more recreational opportunities more money more status it's kind of arises from the inside so in Buddhism we say it's a healthy pleasure and then another component part of uh, joy or happiness uh, is engagement being involved in something and um, and it's a number of people have pointed out that um, <clears throat> that uh, it doesn't work very well to pursue happiness directly. That uh, is, have happiness would be the purpose. I'm going to get happy. <laughs> uh, that happiness, as important as happiness and joy is, that um, uh, sometimes it's better to see it as a byproduct that arises because we're engaged in something we really enjoy, that's really nice to be involved in. And so both that's matter of finding something we enjoy doing, but also how we engage can we find a way that we enjoy our effort? I think it's one of the great keys for a happy life. Um, so we're not slogging through it or resentful or, you know, just kind of, you know, hesitantly involved, but to kind of really kind of, if we're going to do it, do it in a way that you enjoy, that's meaningful, that's valuable. Um, and um, another, th- another thing that helps bring joy is to recognize things that are joyful. And that takes a certain kind of willingness to pay, notice that, to pay attention. Um, you know, it could be joyful to uh, go outside and see, you know, a bright blue day, maybe, especially when there's, especially when there's no drought. But uh, just, oh, look, you know, but, but, you know, I'm quite capable of being so absorbed in something I'm concerned with to not take in the joy of just the clear air and breathing and and so is there, is it is it uh, you know is it is there a place in life to experience joy is it to give ourselves time for that and I think that most of us could probably benefit from giving ourselves more time to experience joy uh, and it probably even if you double the amount of joy you experience in the day simple things uh, the scale is still probably tipped for most people heavily in favor of things which are unpleasant or difficult, my challenges, or, you know. So, you know, you're not going to miss out too much on the difficulties. If you just double, you know, the amount of times you notice joy, you're not like, you're not, you're not like you're betraying your unhappiness <laughs> to do it, you know, but you can, you know, just, so be willing and be interested. What, what makes you, what, what brings you joy into, what's joyful? So with that, what I'd like to do is to have you uh, do uh, what I what I like to present as a listening exercise, but you have to talk too. 
and because you have to have you have to say something someone else can listen to. Um, and that is to uh, sit in groups of I think five probably works, um, and um, I think that's a good number. So why don't you try to get five, and we'll see if that, what multiple of fives we are. If we're not quite that, then I'll uh, come towards the front if you don't find a group, and I'll help figure out what to do based on how many people come up here. You don't have don't fit into a group of five, and. Um, and in the group of five, well, the exercise is called a, a spiral discussion. And, and what the spiral discussion is that uh, everyone uh, used to go around clockwise and someone contributes something to the circle, to the group mind, to the group process uh, on the topic. But it's important to not uh, speak for a really long time, but just say basically one thing, like not everything you possibly say on the topic. But you're, you're, what you're doing is you're offering something, one thing, that can somehow be received by the people who are listening. Um, and then, and then, and if it's a, you know, and probably it doesn't help too much to do a really long story. You know, if you have to, if the story is part of it, try to make it really, really succinct. Um, but don't be so succinct that you say two words either. You know, say, say it so you feel like you really express yourself well. And then the next person does the same. And then when it comes back to you again, then you can uh, offer another perspective, another point of view, or another response. Um, and what happens is as you listen to other people, you're affected by them, and new things arise in you. Oh, that reminds me. This is what I can say now, that you wouldn't have thought on your own. And so then everyone starts affecting each other. And then uh, sometimes when you do this kind of sp- this spiral discussion, at some point, there's a kind of little magic that goes on because you're kind of like getting on the same plane or you're influencing each other or something begins happening. But, you know, I don't know if magic will happen today, but it's a, it's a nice thing to kind of be influenced. So it's a listening exercise. So, you, so you, meaning that you want to listen to what the other four people say and allow yourself to be receptive to that. Feel it. Take it in. Don't, best you can, don't try to plan what you're going to say. Um, plan on how you can be more receptive to what you're hearing. How can I really feel this and take it in and register it or imag- imagine what's being said? So you can be influenced by it, hopefully in a good way. And um, the topic is um, what, what brings you joy? What, what's joyful for you? Okay? And we'll probably do that for, uh, I'm not sure exactly how long I'll feel the room a little bit but probably uh, about 10 minutes or so. And, uh, and then I'll ring a bell. And then just stay in your circle after ring the bell. But, so uh, there's no crosstalk. You're not going to be talking about it. You don't, uh, you know, someone says, well, you know, flowers bring me joy. And then you're, you're the next person to talk. And you say, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> or, you know, or, you know, well, flowers are good, but, you know, there's something better, you know. I don't know what, right? So, 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 so uh, there's no commentary, no crosstalk. Just, just allow yourself to listen and hear what the person says, take it in, and then the next person offers something and you go around in a relaxed way and see what happens as you listen and, and take it in. So, is that clear enough? So why don't you form a group of five and when you're in a group, you can start. So, um, so now, while you're still in your group, 
uh, take a little bit of time as a, an open discussion to talk a little bit about what that was like to be part of that discussion. Uh, what, what was it like to be a listener? What was it like to hear and take in what you heard? Uh, what hap- you know? What was it like to participate as a speaker? What came up for you? And just kind of an open discussion about that. And just the only thing I ask is that um, again, it's usually best not to t- one person to talk for a long time. So uh, be sensitive to that and make space for any- anybody who wants to talk to be able to talk. So, so but just have open discussion for a little bit about what, what that was like. Yes? Just a second, yeah. I found it very easy. The conversation flowed really well and there were, you know, no points of, oh my God, what am I going to say next? And Great. am I going to say something smart? It was just so wonderful and flowy and... <laughs> Joyful. <laughs> Great. I, I love it. And, and, uh, and uh, so for now, what I'd like to do is to have that conversation among the five of you. <gasps> Boy, no. did I want to talk. No, yeah, but, but, but what, what you did just now was great. You demonstrated what I wanted to do, have, see happen. So it was great. Okay, so you can, you can thank your group and let's re- reconvene as a big group. Chocolate. 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 <laughs> Who needs to meditate if there's chocolate? <laughs> so, <clears throat> so, so, uh, it'd be nice to hear a little bit of what that was like in any part of it, partly because there's a diversity of experiences and it's nice to hear the range. And also, uh, I wasn't part of any of those groups, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> so, someone like to. And if you could say your name when you start, that would be nice. Hi, can you all hear? Uh, my name is Amy, and I, as well as the other people in the group, were all struck by how similar we are. And the same things seem to bring all of us joy, even odd things like feeling good after paying the bills. <laughs> <laughs> And it it was just very unifying. It was like, a, I said, like, universal consciousness. I mean, not to be trite, but that's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we were so similar and in tune with the, with the same mm. things that gave us joy. Mm, nice. Somebody else? Here, here, here. I'm Julie. Um, I personally found it incredibly nourishing, and I and I think we all um, 
part of something that came up in our discussion was how hearing uh, what brought other people joy um, helped us recognize, I don't know if I'm saying this right, someone <laughs> helped us recognize some other aspects of joy in our life and it kind of, it kind of increased our own recognition of joy. Mm, great. And amplified that process. Great, wonderful. I'll just add to that. Um, uh, like, I mean, Julie really captured it all, except that for me it seemed like um, what other people said triggered suddenly a memory of joy and a, and a joy that I feel that I hadn't thought of. That It just was like constantly being triggered by other people rather than thinking this is what I'm going to say. Mm, it was a really n- nice Nice. Experience. So you didn't have to work at finding your, what you're, you're joyful for. Mm. Great. Um, Marilyn? Yeah, Marilyn. <laughs> uh, well, so we also sort of like communed around a source of joy that's really subtle and maybe hidden in our lives. Um, and it sort of it's related to compassion and with all beings, and that was um, cat videos. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like we realized <laughs> that, that that it was a legitimate sort. Like to me, it was like, oh, that is a legitimate source yeah, of joy. Like, Someone was but, telling me yesterday that there's a, there's a, a relatively new subculture in America, particular demographics of community that uh, gathers around cat videos. <laughs> Great, thank you. I'm Tanya, and for me there was a theme that um, joy doesn't have to be something Magnificent. It can be from something very mundane, like the bills or the cat videos or something quite small. And it's okay. You can give yourself permission to have joy in that. Great. No, lovely. It's very important, actually. Um, one of the things we spoke about was um, finding joy where we didn't think there was any joy. Mm. So, for example, I was asked to do this recording this morning, and it wasn't what I'd anticipated. So there was a part of me that was like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing here. But then I was just able to let that go and experience the joy of actually knowing almost how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So, Thank you. So, to avail yourself of joy is a, is a gift, is a very beneficial. And in terms of Buddhist practice, um, joy brings certain benefits. Uh, uh, joy means that you're not contracted. And it's hard to do meditation or to find the path to liberation if you're contracted. So it can, opens you up. Joy creates a positive state of mind and it's hard to again to be, find liberation or freedom uh, if you're contracted in your mind or, or negative in your mind. So to have a positive state of mind is really helpful also. So, uh, so joy is, is a useful thing on the path. 
it can be overdone. People can be atta- overly attached to joy. I've known people who have a kind of Pollyannish attitude towards life and are, think they're supposed to be joyful all the time. And it's kind of oppressive if you think you're supposed to be joyful. And it's actually difficult for other people if you're <laughs> trying to be joyful all the time. And, um, and, um, or, you know, kind of uh, white, whitewashing or painting over, you know, veneer of, oh, I think so wonderful and great and let's just smile and let's be happy. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it can be done in the wrong way. But there's a, uh, uh, but uh, it definitely is a very important part of the path to experience joy and have happiness and joy. And the Buddha referred to this over and over again as part of the path, part of the unfolding. Right now I'm doing the, the, the teaching on Monday nights on the seven factors of awakening, seven qualities that specifically support awakening. And um, one of those factors is joy. And in fact, uh, uh, joy is the middle one the fourth one. And uh, sometimes in these lists and teachings of Buddhism, the quality that's in the middle is particularly important. Uh, it has a very important role, sometimes a transitional role. And so to have joy right in the middle of the seven factors of awakening, um, you know, I think has meaning there as a transition to some deeper possibility of, of, um, of freedom. One of the, so there's many things that can bring joy. Uh, there's a form of joy, a source of joy, which is uh, championed in the Buddhist tradition, which is not, um, I don't think it's so well recognized by many people here in the West. Um, And certainly I had no sense of this until I encountered Buddhism. And that is the joy of your virtue, joy of your ethical behavior. So to feel like, uh, one way it's worded is the joy of blamelessness so that you feel like you can go into any assembly of people and be blameless and have the joy of that. And for people, uh, I know a lot of people here in the West, including myself at one point, uh, I didn't have to have a reason to be uh, wrong. <laughs> I didn't have to have a reason to be a lousy person, you know, and unworthy or inadequate or unlikable. And, you know, it's just kind of the nature of the universe. That's, that's the way it is, Right. And so, uh, and so, the and the idea that one would <clears throat> turn, to, uh, uh, you know, be ethical and then <clears throat> appreciate that to the point that it brings a kind of joy. Uh, I kind of would have, when I was younger, I thought it was Pollyannish, was kind of ridiculous, was kind of artificial, was I don't know what to just like you know, I just kind of look down upon it and <clears throat> you know, in my unhappy snobbishness, and that uh, you know, you couldn't have that kind of happiness, <clears throat> and. Um, so uh, the idea of to, uh, to, to appreciate one's virtue, one's, and that virtue implies not just one's ethical activities, that one's been ethical, but also that one has some kind of uh, inner virtues that go along with being ethical. So um, the uh, virtue of being of honesty, the virtue of generosity, the virtues of compassion and kindness, and that you have those and that would bring, bring you joy that you have this. And one of the reflections about the joy of ethics in this is is uh, uh, just read the front pages of the newspaper, and it's mostly most of the things you read in the front page involve someone being unethical, somewhere or other, and you know it's such a prevalent part of many people's lives that it's a really great thing. It's, uh, it's supportive for everyone when even one person is ethical, and to really enjoy that and appreciate it, 
and if we don't appreciate and enjoy it, then um, uh, it's um, it's not going to be a, uh, a message of hope for other people. Um, you know, you know, rather than ethics becoming a duty that's you know like heavy, ethics should be something that lightens you and kind of delight to be involved in, and so to appreciate to enjoy it. There's a, f- a famous story from the uh, suttas of a of a murderer going uh, becoming a Buddhist monk. And the Buddha uh, telling this monk at one point uh, to make a, uh, a statement of truth, a truth statement, because there was a belief in ancient India that uh, truth statements have power, and if you say something that's true, it can be beneficial for some various things. And, um, and so he told this mur- ex-murderer, are you an ex-murderer? Um, and uh, that um, uh, to say, a statement of truth, that he had never, um, ever since he was born, he had never killed anyone. And, uh, and the murderer says, wait a minute, I can't say that <laughs> because I killed people. And the Buddha says, now what I meant to say <laughs> was when you were born in, as a monk, you know, being a monk for, was kind of like a rebirth, a new life for him. So in that time when you started your new life, and probably for someone who'd murdered people, had a criminal background, the idea of kind of starting fresh and new probably was very meaningful. So he said, when you, got, when you were born again as a monk, since that time you've been ethical. And he, so the monk said, oh, I can say that. And so what this means is that um, you don't have to hold yourself hostage to all the horrible things you've done over your lifetime. Uh, you can actually celebrate from the time that you've decided to be ethical in some way. And if it's just, if you started this morning, <laughs> you know, maybe you're not going to be dancing, celebrating in the streets over that, but it, it's, even that is significant. And that you, can, uh, you can let yourself feel contentment or joy or happiness. Wow, you know, I went out through the day without swearing at anybody. Wow, isn't that great? As opposed to, well, I got through that day without swearing, but the rest of the year I swore at someone every day. And it's, you know, I'm, just, I'm a lousy person. It's, it's hopeless. It's rather, wow, look at that. Yes, I did a whole year of swearing at people, but look at that. I didn't do it today. <clears throat> wow, you know, and, you know, feel some kind of joy and delight. So the idea of feeling a joy from your own virtue and ethics is uh, one of the things that the Buddhist tradition puts emphasis on. And, uh, and it, 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 uh, here's a description of how this works uh, as part of the path to liberation. The Buddha said, One whose behavior is virtuous does not need to intend, does not need to make effort to say or to make, uh, let no regret arise in me. So if you're virtuous, you don't, you, don't have to, you, know, you don't have to anything to regret since the time you started being virtuous. For one without regret, no volition needs to be exerted. Let joy arise in me. Implying that if there's no regret, then joy will follow in its wake kind of naturally. For one who is joyful, rapture will follow. For one who is rapturous, uh, physical tranquility will follow. For one who is tranquil, pleasure, or or actually the word should be happiness, will follow. For one who is happy, the mind gets concentrated. For the mind that's concentrated, 
uh, one sees things as they are. When one sees things as they are, one gets disenchanted with how things are. As we get disenchanted and dispassionate, then there can arise liberation. So a number of places in the suttas, this kind of description is there. And the way way it's presented, it's almost like a natural process. It's not like you have to make any effort but at, when you have a strong foundation in one, then it kind of like water flows downhill, then the next thing arises. And when that becomes strong, the next thing arises and follows, kind of a natural process of opening. I find it very encouraging a view of kind of human nature, human possibility, that we don't have to make all this effort, and, but we have to create the conditions. And one of the primary conditions that the tradition emphasizes is that of virtue, being ethical. And from that comes non-regret, comes joy, and so forth. So, um, um, and then along those lines, um, it's also very nice to appreciate the virtue of others. Uh, I think that when we start appreciating the virtue of other people, whether in small ways, and learn to look at, tune into people and say, well, you know, that person's mostly you know, not so kind. But you know, that person was really kind at lunchtime because the person kind of opened the doors or cleaned up after me or or offered me a chair or, you know, did some nice things. Oh yeah, so I appreciate that. So the joy of appreciating other people's virtuous activities and generosity and goodness is really great. So without uh, working too hard at it and making it unnatural, I hope during lunch today that uh, you appreciate each other and uh, kind of take in each other in you know, just simple ways. And so we're going to take an, an hour for lunch. And uh, so it's 12 o'clock now, so at 1 o'clock we'll start again. It's probably too cold. I think it's too cold to go outside, but those people who know how this works will bring out tape, folding tape,